Hi everyone. Welcome to Origin Gate's daily podcast called Wisdom's Echo. I'm Samantha Mahoney sharing an insight of the day. Let me start by quoting Revelations 12 verse 11. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony and they loved not their lives unto the death. I want to pull out one part of that scripture which is they overcame by the word of their testimony. What is the word of your testimony? I love how Ian Clayton explains it in one of his teachings. Your testimony, the word of your testimony, is actually your scroll that was written for you before one of your days came to be. Is this even possible and is it scriptural? Well, Romans 8 says, For who he foreknew, he predestined. What is that saying? It's saying that before you were even a human being, he knew you. And it says that you were predestined. What does that mean? Do you think that when you come to the earth, you figure out your destiny or you make your own destiny? No, everything was predestined for you before you even became a human being on this earth. Where did this even start for you? You know, your existence and your origin didn't begin from the moment you were conceived. It actually began way, way before that. You are ancient. You are an ancient being. Psalm 85 talks about how, I'm sorry, Psalm 87 verse 5 talks how you were birthed into Mount Zion. So that was your place of origin. It says we were birthed in different places on the mountain. Ephesians 2 verse 10 says, we are to walk out the good works planned beforehand. So that means in my mind when I'm reading this, when you come to the earth, all you have to do is walk out that which was pre-written for you before the foundation of the world. Even Yeshua had a scroll that he was obedient to fulfill. He mentions the scroll in Hebrews 10 verse 7. It says, Then I said, Here I am. It is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, my God. So even Yeshua knew that he was here to fulfill something on the earth. What he was supposed to do was predestined before he actually got to this earth. It's very sad that we spend all of our lives trying to figure out what our destiny is, what our purpose is. I work with people all the time and it's very sad to me to hear someone who is elderly going, I'm still trying to figure out what I'm here on this earth for. It was all written for you, but we've got to engage it to make it come from that realm into this so that we can walk it out. But how can you? Well, there's a precedent in the word. So what I'm sharing with you now doesn't come out of my own uh, revelation or out of my own thought life. It's actually a precedent in the word. And that precedent is eating a scroll. Jeremiah did it. John did it and there were various others that said when they took the scroll and they ate it, it was sweet in their mouths and it was bitter in their stomachs. I did this exercise with my children when they were teenagers and I've shared a lot about that and about what's happened since they've done that. But my process was, and if you want to do it now, you're very welcome to join me. I said to my sons, put out your hands, hold them out. Now I want you to ask Yahweh to put the scroll that he wrote for you into your hands. You do that now. Ask him. Let's not rush. Let's take our time on this. Have a look in the spirit. Can you see that scroll? My 16-year-old son, when we did this exercise together, said, Mom, I see my scroll. It's got red writing. Also, it's got red page and it's got gold writing on it. But I don't quite understand what the writing is because I don't recognize the letters. 
So that was very interesting to me. Can you see your scroll? If you can't, don't worry about it. While you're holding your hands out, can you feel the warmth in it? Do they feel like they have something in it? Just engage for a minute and see what you see. Feel what you feel. If you feel nothing and you see nothing, that's okay. Again, this is by faith. I want you to take that scroll now and I want you to do a prophetic action and put it in your mouth, chew it and swallow it. Why are we doing this? Have you ever heard the statement, you are what you eat? Well, that's exactly what we're doing. We are becoming what was written for us before the foundation of the earth. And it's all by faith. You don't have to see it. You don't have to get the chills and the shivers for it to be real. It just is. It's by faith. Now, as you put that into your mouth and you chew it, we are believing that what Yahweh has written becomes a part of us. You know the scripture that says he gives you the desires of your heart. What does that actually mean? We think it means, well, I want a nice house and a red Lamborghini to go with it. And because Yahweh gives me the desires of my heart, I'm going to get that. No, that's got nothing to do with it at all. What he's doing is he's aligning your desires with what's written in your scroll. He gives you the desires of your heart. As you do this exercise, you may notice some things. You may notice that everything shifts and changes for you. Perhaps the career path that you've chosen becomes something different. Perhaps your friend life uh, and your social life begins to change. We see this even with Jeremiah. When he ate his scroll, it says he could no longer sit in the company of merrymakers. So that which you've kept company with may be challenged and changed. You might find yourself with a whole bunch of new connections. You might see various opportunities present themselves to you. There might be so much change that you'd be tempted to say, the devil is against me. It's the devil's fault. It's got nothing to do with the devil, I assure you. What you've done right now by eating that scroll is you've given Yahweh your yes. You've agreed to what he has written and preordained for you, predestined for you. And what he's doing now is he's beginning to give you desires in your heart that possibly you haven't had before but is to align you with that scroll as he gives it to you be faithful to steward it be faithful in working it out but don't touch it now i know that might cause a bit of confusion what do you mean don't touch it if i can give an example from our own experience in 2008 grant and i started moed ministries and it was something that had been on our heart, but we had no idea what it looked like. We were faithful to walk it out. And the ministry began to grow and international travel and speaking began to open up to us. Amazing connections began to open up to us. We began to see so much fruit, good fruit. We did something called bloodlines, working through generational stuff and patterns that you see going from one generation to another. We began to see amazing fruits from that. And we could have built a whole ministry out of exactly that because there was so much demand for it and it was good fruit. But we prayed and we said, Father, if you don't go with us, we're not going this way. So as long as you're with us, we'll do it. And the moment you tell us to drop it, it's done. We walk away from it. And this is not an ungodly attitude. In fact, it's very biblical because if you think about it, you're constantly growing, right? You're constantly moving. Doesn't the word say he builds line upon line, precept upon precept? We go from glory to glory, right? 
So he doesn't want us to stay in the same place that we've always been. He wants us to grow. And if that means letting something go, that's fine. If it's for a time, it's, if it's for a season, that's fine. I'm here, as Yeshua said, to do what is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, my God. So I say, steward it, but don't touch it. Now I want to jump, which seems to a random subject. I've got two random subjects for you, but I'm going to show you how they relate to your scroll, if you can bear with me. Exodus 25 begins to give the, where, this is where Yahweh gives the instructions for the making of the ark. And I just want you to picture it in your imagination as I'm talking to you, what this looked like and what it involved. He says to make an ark of acacia wood. He gives the, the lengths um, and the, the cubits. He says two and a half cubits in length, two and a half cubits in width, two and a half cubits in height. The next instruction is to cover all of that wood with gold inside and outside. They're then told to make a gold lid. Then there's four rings of gold that have to be made and they have to be attached to the box, to the ark, one on each corner. Then staves of acacia are to be made and covered with gold. So we've got a lot of wood and a lot of gold in the making of the ark. Then it says place the ark in the ark, the tablets. So that's the tablets of stone. It then says make two cherubim of gold where he says there I will meet with you. Now, while you're thinking about that, I want you to think, how heavy is that box? It's made of wood, and it's made of gold, and it's a lot of gold, right? So how heavy is that box? Now, here's another instruction from Yahweh. It says, when the cloud moves, the people have to pack up everything um, in their camp, and they have to move with the cloud. The priests have many instructions regarding packing up the tabernacle and what cloth to wrap it in. And there's instructions about how you move the ark. There's a protocol. When the cloud moves, not just anybody can come in, grab the ark, help, you know, and pack up the whole tabernacle if they wish to. No, there's a sequence and there's specifics that Yahweh wants in place in order to move with the cloud. I'll just read one of the protocols for the priests. It comes from 1 Chronicles 15 verse 15. It says, And the Levites carried the ark of God with the poles on their shoulders, as Moses commanded in accordance with the word of the Lord. Now before I park this up and move on to my next random subject, I want to leave you with some questions. I asked the first one already. How heavy was the box? How heavy was the ark? Would overlaid with gold, all this gold on it. Second question was, when the cloud moved, how long did the people walk for? Do you think they maybe just walked for one kilometer? I mean, they would have still been in the camp that they all lived in. How long did they walk for? The third question is, what about sweat? Yahweh has specific things to do with sweat because that's the stench of man when dealing with his sacred and his holy things. The priest's garments were linen to stop them from sweating because that's an offense while you're dealing with those holy things. So now if you think about how heavy that ark is, and if you think about how far do they have to walk, what did they do about the sweat? That would have been a problem, right? I'm going to park that up again, and I'm going to move to my next random subject, which comes out of 2 Samuel verse 6. 
I'm going to tie it up nicely for you and show you how they all interconnect. It says, Now David again gathered all the chosen men of Israel, 30,000. And David arose and went with all the people who were with him to Baal Judah, to bring up from there the ark, which is called by the name, the very name of the Lord of hosts who is enthroned above the cherubim. They placed the ark of God on a new cart, that they might bring it from the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill. And Uzzah and Ahio, the sons of Abinadab, were leading the new cart. So they brought it with the ark of God from the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill, and Ahio was walking ahead of the ark. Meanwhile, David and all the house of Israel were celebrating before the Lord with all kinds of instruments made of fir wood and with lyres, harps, tambourines, castanets, and cymbals. Verse 6 says, But when they came to the threshing floor of Nacon, Uzzah reached out towards the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen nearly upset it. And the anger of the Lord burned against Uzzah, and God struck him down there uh, for irreverence. He died there by the ark of God. David became angry because the Lord's outburst against Uzzah, and that place is called Perez Uzzah to this day. So I want to stop there. When Yahweh gives you something that he trusts you with, you've just agreed to your scroll, you've agreed for him to fulfill it in your life, what he predestined for you, but now there's got to be that working out of it. What we tend to do is we tend to, as we're getting used to what that ministry is, what that gifting or that calling is, then we want to put our hands on it. We want to touch it. We want to control it. We want to manipulate it. This right here, this in 2 Samuel verse 6 that I just read to you about Uzzah, has got so much revelation and it's a lesson for us today. So let me just start having a look at a few words. It says in verse 3 that they placed the ark of God on a new cart. Now that might seem wonderful. It's new. It's never been used before. So it's not secondhand when bringing the ark of the Lord back to um, Jerusalem. However, that's not the protocol. I just read to you in, in Chronicles what the protocol was of moving the ark. The priests had to take the staves and put it on their shoulders. Why the shoulders? Because that is government. That is that sacred thing resting on the government of the priests. Here we have David's men putting a, this ark on a new cart. A cart is a Philistine contraption, invention. So they're taking a sacred thing of Yahweh and putting it on something that is unholy. The next thing that it says is um, they took it from the house of Abinadab. When you have a look at that word Abinadab, it means my father is willing. Just think what you've just done now. You've just agreed with your scroll. You've asked for it. You've eaten it. Your father is willing because you have stuff to accomplish. It says an Uzzah. The word for Uzzah means strength or might. And that could be various things. As you've taken on this journey, Yahweh gives you the strength and the might to complete that which you have to but it also could mean we work in our own strength and our own might to make some stuff happen. And if I carry on, verse 6 says, When they came to the threshing floor of Nacon, what does Nacon mean? It means prepared. It means to be stable or to be established. As you're working out your 
what's written in your scroll. It's unfamiliar t territory. You get power and strength to work it out. Um, but soon you become established in it. You become stable in it. You're prepared. Everything that you need for this journey to carry out your scroll is within you. You have been well prepared for it. And it says, then they came to the threshing floor of Nacon. Threshing floor means to be smooth. You've now worked out some stuff. Yahweh has taught you some stuff. The plane is smooth. You're stable and you're established. It says that the oxen then stumbled. And it says that, the, that Uzzah reached out his hand. Now, when I first read that, I thought, oh my gosh, that's not very fair of the Lord. This guy is just trying to do God a favor by stopping that ark from falling. I mean, it was a noble thing that he did. Why did the anger of the Lord burn against him? Because you cannot touch, you cannot take hold of that which is sacred. Yahweh has entrusted you with a plan that he's predestined you for, but don't take hold of it. It's holy, it's sacred, it belongs to him. And it says the name of the place where Uzzah died is called Perez Uzzah. When you look at what that means, it means there was a breach of strength. There was a breach in the bursting forth or the threshing floor. So how does this relate to you when I say steward what Yahweh has given you to do, but don't touch it? I want to come back to that ark and the protocol that the priests had of carrying that ark. 1 Chronicles 15, 15. The Levites carried the ark of God with poles on their shoulders as Moses commanded in accordance with the word of the Lord. I left you with three questions. How heavy was the box? How long did they walk? What about the sweat? When reading the Torah and the account of how the priests would move the ark when the cloud moved, it's supernatural. And Yahweh is given you supernatural ability to carry that on your shoulders. The protocol was that the priests would stand under the staves. Torah then says, the ark and the presence that was between those cherubim's wings, which was the Yechida, it was the blue flame of Yahweh's presence would pick the priests up in the air and follow the cloud. When the cloud stopped moving, the ark would lower the priests back to the ground for them to resume their function. No sweat, no striving, no control, no doing things in their own strength. When you give God your yes, he equips you for the job and his anointing carries you.